Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Gareth Zatlin. How's it going, man? Ben, this is so new because we we now we're now doing this thing where we actually can see each other during this podcast, um, which is not great for me because I always look awful. But otherwise, this is such a new experience. I feel like I can actually yell at you face to face now when we argue. It's going to be great. Yeah, it it is a weird experience after doing this for what uh, over a year at this over point. A year. Yeah. Oh, and we've never talked face to face like this before. So yeah. Well, we did. We did go on that one run one run. time. When yes, you exactly. absolutely <laughs> just kicked my butt for three miles at probably the most leisurely stroll possible. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it was a uh, this is a new experience. We'll figure out uh, if I can continue to look at your face for the rest <laughs> of this. But otherwise, I think everyone at home is lucky that they don't have to see me. So that's the plus. Yeah, best of luck to you. Um, but we should <laughs> jump jump right in. Um, before we do, 108 ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Give us, leave us a five star rating and review. Follow us on Spotify um, Podcasts. Um, please continue to help uh, us grow the site and the podcast. But really, I mean, I, Garrett, I think I, I can speak for you. The biggest thing that has helped grow the podcast this uh over the last week are these incredible results that we've seen over the past weekend i i mean what what mile what you want to start with a mile record you want to start with uh some quick 800 times some dmrs i mean we we have pretty much everything that if, if we want to talk about it i feel like we should just rip off the band-aid and talk about the mile at this point just because it's just so it's so out of this world insane that it just it, it really is hard to truly do it justice because I remember getting the notification and being like, I'm like I'm in the middle of driving. I literally had to pull over and stop driving to like actually see these results because I could have. Someone someone called me. They're like, Hey, have you seen the results? I'm like, No, I'm on the road. They're like, Well, pull aside and check the results. And it I I don't even know like where to begin. Like I I don't even know like how to possibly describe the in like how how incredible that result was i just don't know how to put it so obviously what we're talking about is cooper tier and cole hawker both running 350 in the mile uh charlie hunter their teammate running 353 as well for tier and hunter or for tier and hawker excuse me um those are ncaa one and two times uh ever beating edward cheserex 352 I, i mean it's i i guess i should ask you what did you think that they were going to run coming in because I think it wasn't crazy to say that they were going to run under like 354, but right. to say that they'd run under like almost under 350 is is just mind boggling. I think it was clear that they were going after the record. Like yeah. I think that much was clear, but I I didn't think that they were actually going to get it. I was like, okay, maybe they'll run 353, maybe they'll hit like 352 high, but then you start getting to the 350 portion, mm-hmm. and it's just it's like it's not even close like you didn't just break edward cheserick's record you shattered it like it's it wasn't close and it's it's one thing to break a, a, a record established by edward cheserick it's another thing to absolutely crush it and, it just, and that's exactly what happened and like no one's giving credit to charlie hunter yeah. the, man, the man ran 353 the man ran 354 a couple weeks ago was at ncaa number four all time somehow improves that time by a second and gets pushed back to ncaa number six I just, I feel for him. 
Well, I mean, he bounced back better than they did in the 800 the next day with his 145 collegiate lead. Uh, And I mean, we can talk about how he might be considered the 800 favorite, but I I don't know if anybody had a more complete weekend than than Hunter. I mean, running NCAA number six all time in the mile, coming back with that. I I think we all knew he had good 800 speed, but I, I did not see him running 145. No, exactly. And you're right. This completely changes the conversation as to what he's going to run. Because, like, honestly, Orkin has two 350 milers, which is a little <laughs> hard to, like, actually process. But if you put a 350 miler on your leadoff leg and a 350 miler on your anchor leg, do you really need Charlie Hunter on your 800 leg? Like, it doesn't look like Notre Dame is going to be going after the DMR this year. Like, what's stopping Reed Brown from doubling back in the mile? Or like moving Peralta up to the 800, although Peralta would probably be doubling in the 800 yeah. DMR. But it, you know, like what ultimately, like what, I, what I'm saying here is like you can't find like a guy who runs a 150, maybe like Jack Urian or Austin Tamago or someone like that. Like could could you not just put them at the 800 mic? So it, it just seems to make more sense. And then let Hunter pursue the 800 meters. He would maximize point totals. He could get a title of his own. It it just seems like it makes the most sense. Yeah, I think that's ultimately what they'll do. And I think it's because they have the great luxury of having a 356 guy on their bench for the DMR, which, I mean, if you have a 356 guy, period, you, you're feeling good about your DMR. If you can't even find a spot for your 356 guy in Reed Brown, I, I mean, I, I don't, they they just have a plethora of riches right now at Oregon. Uh, I mean, it's it's a bit absurd because like not only is Reed Brown a 356 miler who can't make that DMR like when they're normally stacked, but if you count James West, yeah, who I think has the faster converted 1500 Reed Brown at 356 miles, the fifth fastest miler. I think we've already said that it's just, it's just absurd. Like it's absolutely insane. I feel so bad. The guy's a 356, 149 guy. And yet is like not even top four on his team among milers. That's it. Just, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. But but I will say, and, and I want to quickly go back to the Tiern Hawker thing. As impressive as those times were, Sam Tanner ran 334.72 in the 1500 meters against the elite pro field. I think he finished second or third. He was second or third. I forget what he was. He ran incredibly well. That time converts to 351.9. And the way that he navigated that field I would not be very I would not be feeling very safe about my national title chances if I was Tyrion Hawker. I still think they're the national title favorites, no doubt, no question. But when it comes to the open mile, Sam Sam Tanner might end up being a serious problem. Well, I mean, you imagine and and I was going to bring him up next. You imagine him in a time trial setting like uh Tyrion Hawker had and just having the whole track open to you you don't have to worry about making a move during the entire entire race until like the last lap and he very well might have run a second or two faster in the 1500 which would have converted like you said to a 350 in basically the same time that hawker and tier ran so yeah i I think the tactical tactical experience that tanner's racked up as a 19 year old is incredible um and you can say the same for hawker but I think that'll benefit him running in that kind of race and running that time, I think is almost a more beneficial preparation for nationals than what Tyrion Hawker did. I think that's that's probably accurate. You're right. You're battling through the fields. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more guys in front of you. It's not just set up to run fast. I, I think you're right. I think Tanner could be a problem. Tanner could end up being a problem. And I know people people love Oregon. People love Tyrion. People love Hawker. But it, 
But Sam Tanner has has given up every reason to believe that he he might be an issue. So we'll we'll see. Absolutely. And not to be outdone, we saw just a plethora of sub four miles, which in a pandemic year when we we thought that the qualifying times might actually be a little slower this year, that does not look like that will be the case at all for the indoor national uh, qualifying marks, especially in the mile. We saw Ole Miss run, uh, get four guys under four minutes with uh, Suleiman, Romo, Smolders, and uh, Franklin. Uh, Suleiman running 355 and, and leading the pack. They looked great. They also, uh, we also saw Davis Bove and I think Cameron Ponder run sub four in that same race. And, and I mean, plenty of other guys. Um, you had George Cush run 357. I mean, maybe highlight one person that you really were impressed by who who got under the four minute mark this weekend. Well, I mean, Davis Bove is is that that's the guy for me. I mean, he's been so consistent for so long. He's been steadily improving, like rarely falters. And again, I already said this, just so consistent and incrementally gets better. He was strong in cross country and he would just take one second a little bit better than one second. And now he was a guy who was like, okay, he's, he's right on that four flat 401 edge. And you're like, okay, he's going to get under. And then to see him really take advantage of this field, like, you know, it could have been easy for him to get totally swallowed up, but he, he really carried the pace incredibly well. He followed the speed. He didn't relent and he came away with a 357 mile that is for me the most impactful because everything leading up to that was wow this guy's really talented he just doesn't have the top mark to back it up now he has that top mark and it's like whoa this guy could actually be a serious problem moving forward yeah i i i 100 agree i think everybody else it was not super surprising like someone like george kush running 357 um, not shocking. I think Mario Garcia Romo deserves some love. I mean, obviously his fall was spectacular, but I mean, he's backed that up in such a strong way this winter season running 356, uh, this weekend and running seven, uh, what was it? 750, um, earlier in the three K I, I, uh, 748, 748. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, incredible marks. And I think he's going to be a, a contender in both of those races, honestly. Um, but do you want to move on to some of the women's results, be uh, or do you have anything you want to wrap on the men miles? Uh, well, for the men miles, I think we're good because the women's results were equally <laughs> as insane. Bonkers. Um, yeah. yeah, so we'll we'll start like we usually do with the Arkansas women, just absolutely blowing the doors off um, with incredible doubles. Katie Izzo running eight fifty seven and four thirty four. Lauren Gregory running eight fifty eight and four thirty four. Um, a DMR, uh, for the Razorbacks without either of those two ladies ran 10:53, beating, uh, a host of really good teams, including a surprise Oregon team who put together a 10:56 uh, DMR time. I, I mean, there, there isn't, you, you mentioned this in the recap article about the Arkansas women. There isn't much more to say other than they're good. They're getting, it seems like they're getting better every week. Um, and another person is getting added to their endless line of depth. It's it's insane, right? Like the Izzo, Gregory, like they've been so – it's not that they're just running fast, but they're running fast in multiple races, mm-hmm. right? They're earning top national marks in multiple races. They've consistently done this. They haven't had a bad race. Izzo like wins one race over Gregory, and Gregory wins one race over Izzo, and it's like, okay, well, the, there's not really a differentiation between how good those two are, um, but they're so consistent, and they steadily progress, and now they're peaking at the right time, and it's like, what – 
they, they double, they double all the time. Like what more could you possibly ask out of this team? And then, and I have been saying this for weeks now, I'm like Abby Gray or Gracie Hyde mm -hmm. are going to have a breakout result. And sure enough, Gracie Hyde runs 437. It's just, it's just overwhelming. It's ridiculous. And you're starting to see BYU make some noise of their own. But Arkansas's between their firepower and the depth and the consistency and the progression, it's unmatched. It's just unmatched. And I, I, I wish I could like properly say something or like give some fancy analysis. But the fact of the matter is they're just really, really good. Like they they are <laughs> they're insane. They're they're the best distance team in the NCAA. Yeah, and I think uh, Izzo and Gregory would maybe be considered title favorites in, in like the 3K or, or the mile if it weren't for all the other great performances that we saw this weekend. And, and you mentioned the BYU women uh, and a camp running unattached just threw down a huge 3K running 852. Um, teammates Wayman and Hoj ran 854 and 856. Washington's Ali Shadler ran uh, 858 as well to just uh, cap an incredible 3k performance and from the BYU women much like the Arkansas I, I mean it just seems like they keep develop their their train of developmental projects just keeps chugging and, and somewhat a new low stick just pops out of seemingly nowhere every year like, I mean, it's crazy. BYU has, I mean, t you know, was it, uh, Anna Camp Bennett, uh, you know, she doesn't have indoor eligibility, mm -hmm. but she's still part of that roster. And if you don't include Orton, BYU has three women. If you include uh, Orton, they have four women who have run under nine minutes for the 3K, which is insane. Um, and I think we should probably talk about a little bit of the Orton and the, the Camp Bennett kind of discussion because Bennett, or excuse me, let me restart here, Orton apparently out with some foot pain as reported by let's run at one point don't know what that means for her future how significant or severe that is what the timeline is going to be if she has been training hasn't been training if she'll return if she won't return not really clear yet but let's take a look at anna camp bennett runs 852 and she's been great like she's been a very solid talent but there was no indication that she was going to run 852. And now it suddenly changes your perspective. It's like, well, wait, then what does that mean for their cross country team? Like, do they have like another, not just low stick, but like top 20 all American talent? Because that's what an 852 mm -hmm. kind of gets you. Especially in the women's uh, cross country where you're running a 6K rather than yeah. like a 10K for the men where the a 3K result might not translate quite as well. And I mean, Anna Camp Bennett seen as more of an 800 meter runner, really. Um, and I mean, I've had her on my fantasy uh, indoor lineups, I think, a, a year or two ago. Um, and I got her because I thought she was a great 800 piece and a DMR runner. Like, I, I thought she would be great in those events. And to see her evolve into this insanely uh, incredible distance talent, I, I mean, I think it says a lot about uh, Coach Taylor at BYU and, and just the way that these women have developed. Uh, do you have, I mean, anything else on the BYU women? Do you think that her running this, even with Orton's absence, do you think they still remain like that podium contender? Uh, I, yeah, I still, I think they're deep enough where they can still remain as podium contender. And I think 852, regardless of like that, that has to put you in some kind of low stick all American mm -hmm. conversation. And I think they probably have another low stick or all American one or two of them, at least in that roster. I think, yes. Does BYU still stay in that conversation? Yeah, because of their death, but it, it is difficult to kind of get a gauge. It's weird to say, Oh, you lost not just your top runner, but the top runner in the country. Yes. 
and then you know oh you're still in, in the podium conversation despite kind of being already on the fringe as is so it's a difficult balance to find we don't orton could still come back yeah. like we, we don't know like we're not saying that she's out it's we just don't know in in the world that she's out that's a tricky balance but 852 i mean that's that's not something that we were expecting beforehand. So I'll take that. And honestly, with the improvement of everyone else, they don't even necessarily need her to be like Whitney Orton in all caps. They could just right. have her be like a solid contributor in the middle of the lineup. And that would be huge. Right. And, and that's a great point. And I think it would be huge, especially if she is, you know, it, it would be huge if she's like the secondary low stick scorer. but you're right. If Orton returns, and even if just Camp Bennett's still more in that second or third spot of the lineup, which I think she's, you know, what, she finished second at the uh, mm-hmm. Silver State XC Challenge, I think. So it's not like she's even going to be in the middle portion of this lineup. She'll probably be the second or third option, even if she doesn't match her 852. And just to clarify for everyone out there, again, uh, Anna Camp doesn't have indoor track eligibility. So she'll be all in for cross country. At least that's, we, we believe so. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think this is obviously only good for BYU, but a lot of it depends on just how good Whitney Orton comes back to be so yeah exactly why don't we jump to some 5ks um starting on the men's side and we'll stick with BYU I mean an incredible show of depth from them as well but up front Connor Mance and uh, Casey Klinger running 1328 and Brandon uh, Garnica running 1329 uh and I think that has to be the story obviously we knew Mance is capable of that I think it was good to see Klinger um, really improve upon his 5k time uh, from what he did at the sound running meet um, earlier or at the end of the fall season. Um, but obviously we, we thought he was capable of that Garnica Garnica running 1329 after his silver stake uh, performance, I, I think really shows that they have another third, fourth score that is going to be in that all American uh, picture along with Clayson Shumway. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's one thing. He was a three thirteen forty five ish kind of five k guy, thirteen forty, like somewhere along those lines last season. And you don't just run thirteen twenty nine like that and be the third guy on your team, which is pretty insane. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's so odd because we we write to him. He was like TSR number fifty mm-hmm. in the summer. Like we viewed him pretty highly, and then. Oklahoma State Invitational and he bombs like he's just not for relative to him he bombs right wasn't good we're like oh man this is tough I'm not really sure what's going on here then Silver State XC Challenge places six very good now comes back and we're like whoa wait actually this guy just ran 1329 and it further solidifies the idea that he's going to be that low stick he's got to deliver just like everyone on that whole BYU team has to deliver but 1329 is is no joke and and i guess we have to wonder at this point it's like is, what's byu going to do like are they really going to run the indoor national meet and cross country or are they just going to run cross country because nau it doesn't look like they're doing anything for indoor track yeah i would be i would think that they're going to focus on defending their national title right i mean if, if it's not every year you win uh ncaa title in cross country and for them to break through in the way they did last year I, I got to imagine that they're going to put their full focus on that. And, and maybe, maybe we'll see some of their guys run, but I, I wouldn't imagine it being more than one event at, at nationals for the indoor. I mean, they could bounce back. That's still a tough double. Um, obviously that's within what a week of uh, each other, the national championships, a couple of days. Couple of yeah. days. Yeah. Um, 
but I would imagine that them like NAU are going to focus on cross country. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you think that the will any of those guys try to double. And if so, is it, is it Mance? I think Mance can do anything. Like, to be honest with you, I, I, I just think he's such a grinder that I, I really don't think it would have like, it, it might not, it might not make him the like top contender for an NCAA cross title, but I still think he's a top five finisher, even if he runs the 5k like a few days before, to be honest. Yeah, that's a fair point. Okay. So, and I agree with you on Mance a hundred percent because the guy is just, you know, will always go all out regardless. Just seems like that's his racing mm-hmm. style, but Garnica or Klinger are those guys because is I, I stone's probably saying like all right Mance, you can probably yeah. do it but if I'm turning to Klinger and Garnica who just ran 1328 and 1329 what am I saying to them I would say no to Garnica maybe Klinger but probably not to him either to be honest like I I, okay. I mean I just think if if you're trying to set yourself up as well as you can for cross country I think you can get away with Mance, but I, I think you need everyone else to be firing on all cylinders. I mean, the, the margin of error for that for BYU is so, so small compared to NAU for the for the title race. I mean, NAU can have like Nico Young have a bad race and still have five All-Americans like they right. like BYU can't afford Garnica running bad. Like they're just not going to win unless he runs really, really well. Yeah, no, and I agree. I, I 100% agree. I think you're right. You you've mentioned this on our last podcast, but the margin of error in these po- in these I almost said podcast, <laughs> and the margin of error in these uh, in the national championships is is you know going to be the determinant for whether or not BYU can defend. And even then, I'm not sure if, if that'll even happen. Right. So yeah, I'm I'm in full agreement with you there. Um, on the women's side, we saw an interesting uh, 5K. Jenna Magnus of uh, Michigan State running 1542, uh, beating Erica Vanderlyn of Michigan, uh, who ran 1548. Um, in a season where we haven't seen a ton of fast 5K times um, on the men or women's side, it was interesting to see Magnus uh, take home take home the victory over someone we probably viewed maybe a little bit higher than her coming into this year. Yeah, I, I like Magnus a lot, um, and just in terms of what she's been able to do over the past few races. But truthfully, I think I would have almost taken Magnus over Vanderlyn for the indoor track season specifically, mm-hmm. just because Vanderlyn was great on the grass as a freshman, like incredible. But the idea that she was all that amazing on the indoor oval, it's like she was she was good. She wasn't amazing by any means. And now 1548, be, you know, that, that's a pretty solid mark for Vanderlyn. It kind of like validates. It's like, okay, yeah, that – that seems to be on par with her cross country performances. Um, but yeah, Magnus has been great. I mean, the third place finish at big tens beating Vanderland earlier in the season in the three K running nine twenty. it wasn't that fast, but it was an early season mark. And now 1542, uh, if anything, I think this race is big for, uh, for Magnus, not just because she ran a fast mark and not just because she beat Vanderland, but because Vanderland's running so much better now that it kind of improves her stock and therefore improves the importance of Magnus's win. So I think from a, confidence perspective and where Magnus lays within the NCAA hierarchy, this was a, a fairly substantial win, at least bigger than some people realize. Yeah. I mean, she's been, I think a pretty underrated, uh, runner, uh, the performances, like you mentioned over the last few weeks have been really, really impressive. Um, and, and I mean, she's another one, like, like we were talking about with, uh, the BYU men, 
it's like how how does someone like her balance indoor and cross country obviously with uh her great performance at big 10 there's a good chance that she could uh qualify individually um for nationals and cross and if that's the case does she decide to skip indoors yeah that's that's a fair point i i think she is another one who's in kind of that realm of like she's really good she could certainly be on the podium or get an all-american spot on the track but there's so much more to gain from michigan state going all in and cross country Mm -hmm. right there there could be a potential podium team um it just i just think there's so much more from that and it's like i don't really know what she could really gain on the indoor oval that she couldn't gain on the grass Right. It just seems like she could be a fairly, I don't want to say lock on the grass, but it's pretty darn close to a lock on the grass for an All-American position. So if she doubles, what does that mean? I I don't know. But yeah, I I like her chances. I like Michigan State's chances overall on the grass, especially with Lindsey Graham running as well as she just did. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State, yeah, and I I completely uh, slipped there. Um, Michigan State obviously has been much improved as a team this year. And I I think that, like you mentioned, Definitely brings more incentive to, to going to the cross side. Um, but why don't we transition to a little bit more of the middle distances? Um, one men's performance that really, I think, caught both of our eyes, Jason Gomez running 219 in the 1,000. I, I mean, he, he took second to teammate Festus Legat, who's running unattached. But, I mean, have we seen a guy just improve his stock more than Gomez has? I mean, maybe Hawker, but, like, at least Hawker had came in with that like really strong pedigree, like to see what Gomez has done in a few weeks to go from hey nice piece for Iowa State who could probably get something good contributions out of him over the next few years to like okay is he's probably that he might be one of the eight hundred favorites at this point. I, I mean it's incredible to see what he's done. I mean he's run one eight hundred. He's run one forty seven, and we're just like. Oh, that's probably his worst performance. Yeah. Like, which is crazy to think about. He's run 219 for 1,000 meters. He ran 249 on that 1,200 meter leg. And I, I know we've already talked about this, but everyone was talking about Hawker. Was like, wow, Cole Hawker, he's so great. I'm like, Jason Gomez was the top <laughs> guy. He was the top finisher. He ran 249. It just, it blows my mind. And it's just, He's been so good, and he's done everything. The 1,200, the 1K, the 800. I want to see him race an 800 again, see how much faster he can get. And it's not just that. It's not he's just like soloing these times, but he's like challenging and beating Rashawn Rumis, Rooms, however you say his name, Festus Legat. Those guys are no jokes. Like those guys are top, top tier. Festus Legat has a 145, 800-meter PR. I think he was third at the outdoor national meet. I mean – you're talking about some guys with some high level accomplishments and Gomez is just like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm on these like same, same level. Like, like it's nothing. Yeah. And I mean, it would be interesting to see what he do in the mile too. I, I mean, honestly, yeah. like I, I, obviously the mile is loaded this year, but like him running three fifty five in the mile seems like totally doable. Um, and with his speed and a tactical mile at nationals, I, I, I mean, I think he'd be a t- challenger there as well. Um, obviously I think we'll, we both think he'll stay in the 800, but yeah, the 219, I, I think further solidifies his stock. Um, and it'll be exciting to see him do another 800, um, before nationals to see if he can get in that 146, 145 range. Um, yeah. but uh, on the women's side, we, we also saw some quick 800s. Um, is it Ilea? Miller, Aaliyah, um, uh, yeah, close enough. <laughs> two hundred two, uh, Lori Barton, two hundred three, and Sh- Shafiqua Maloney running two hundred four. 
Um, I think a, a thing Mo has stolen all of the headlines in this event so far. But I mean, these ladies showed, and along with Sage Herda, I mean, there's plenty of challengers out there. I, I think Mo still has to be the clear favorite. But what these women have shown this this past week is I think there's going to be plenty of competition for that top spot. Yeah, I mean, we all keep talking about Aethan Mu being the national title favorite, and rightfully so. She absolutely is. Let's not get that mixed up. She's 100% the national title favorite. But in terms of like the women who could threaten her, I think we thought that list was like maybe Sage Herzog, and that's about it. But now it's like Sage Herzog and Aaliyah Miller. And and Miller has a lot more experience than some people give her credit for. She's been at the top of the 800 for a while now, doesn't always convert on the postseason stage, but she has now looked so much better than she ever has before. 202, which is a pretty solid PR on the indoor track. I mean, that, that just doesn't happen a whole lot, especially when more experienced runners like her. You know, usually if you're going to run like a PR in the indoor oval, you're going to do it during your sophomore, junior year. You're not doing that as a senior established veteran. But between Miller, between Herta, between Barton, Shafiqua Maloney, who literally cannot stop improving her personal best every time she toes the line, um, you know, you got those women in there. Lori Barton is like another name who I, I can't get over how fast her 242 1K was. Like that was insane. I just think there's enough where I'm like, these women may not be able to outrun anything Moo, but if this race gets tactical and, you know, if there's a, a lot of positioning and jostling and, you know, one person, you know, is at least able to get in front of Moo, it's like, what does that race kind of look like? Now, if I'm Moo, I'm just going to hit the gas from the start and just yeah. dominate this field, but. It, it is it just feels close enough and talented enough where it's like okay moves the favorite and very much so and i'd still put if i had to put all my money i'd still put it on her but i wouldn't i wouldn't feel like she's an absolute lock which is a little bit crazy to say for a 201 800 runner but you, you, know. you wouldn't sell the farm and, and bet all of that on her anymore like we right. probably would have done after her 201 Correct. I, I don't know if I would have, you know, put up my firstborn for, you know, <laughs> yeah, $1,000. I just w- I wouldn't have done it. Right. Um, I mean, not to be uh, eclipsed by the men, the women put in some really strong mile times this weekend as well. Um, the aforementioned Sage Herta ran 431, um, who, and she's just on a complete tear. Uh, Chrissy Gear also someone who has gained a ton of momentum since her time with Arkansas. Ran 431. Um, Alabama's, is it Tenissima? Um, uh, close enough, yeah. Ran 433. Uh, and Florida State's Mati Skyring ran 434. I mean, I'm just stunned, like I am with the men, just how quick uh, all of these women are running. And and maybe we can talk about the spikes or the dragonflies seem to be helping times maybe a little bit. But I, I mean, a lot of people have just thrown out there. These are people who haven't raced for a long time. And we're seeing the, I guess the value and the importance of just training without racing every weekend and the benefit of that. Um, It's, it's, we've seen incredible times in a weird season where we might, where we really didn't expect to see uh, these quick of times this often. Yeah. But I mean, like for, for women like Sage Herta, she ran two flat point nine nine back. Uh, so like when you say it's like, Oh, well she also could run four thirty one. It's like, okay, yeah, that seems realistic. And like Chrissy gear has been a solid stud, like throughout all of her years. And I know it was a big PR, but like there were indications that 
you know, would I have guessed that she was going to run 431? No, I would probably guess closer to 433, 434. But it's it's like she's she, – the mile is definitely her best event. In the 3K that what we've seen from her and what we've seen her do in, in like relay splits, it all kind of gives me like the suggestions like, yeah, it's faster than expected, but it's not like unrealistic, you know? It's not completely out of the realm. And in Madi Skyrim, for instance, like we had concerns with her about her in cross country, but then she comes in, runs that double, that 3K mile mm-hmm. double. She beats Joyce Camelli. She beats, um, oh gosh, I forget someone else in the mile, all by narrow margins. So she wasn't only just running decent times, but she ran a double, got double wins over top competition. So it's not wild for her to run 433. Uh, Tamisima is kind of like just the... She's like the Mario Garcia Roma of the indoor track season of like, holy crap, where did she come from? You know, like sometimes th- those things are just bound to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. 903, 433 is pretty crazy special, but um, she's an exciting runner. So I, I, for a lot of these women, I think for Tanisima, for like Anita Konacek who ran 435, you know, those are surprising. But there's also a few other women where I'm like, it's not a completely unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I agree. I just... I, I think the volume of times is just, and to see it, like you said, with someone like Chrissy Gear running 433-34 would not have been surprising. To, to go like that close to under 430, I, I think really is, is special. And um, it shows just how deep the fields are on the men and women's side that you can run 431 and you, you're not the favorite, right, in, in the right. event, um, which, which is pretty astounding. Um, there was also some quick 5K times on the men's side. We saw um, the a bunch of Arkansas Razorbacks run really good times. Uh, Amon Kemboy led the way, running thirteen thirty eight. Um, Gilbert Boyd thirteen forty. Uh, Jacob McLeod thirteen forty one, and Matt Young running thirteen forty two. Also in that race was Florida State's uh, one of their newest runners, Adrian Wildshut, running thirteen thirty nine. Um, I, I guess this isn't super surprising for some of these guys, but I mean it's still incredible to see them run this quick um and i i mean what arkansas has on the men's side is it's starting to feel a lot like their women's team too yeah i mean and not only that they're just showing a lot of versatility like mm-hmm. between what Gem- what kemboy and gilbert boyd are doing i mean it's not the same level of like gregory or Izzo, but it's pretty special um but the the guy i want to talk about is florida state's adrian wild shoot because the guy ran 1339 on his first ever indoor <laughs> track race which is insane if I if I remember my first indoor track race was the 800 meters and I was like yeah I'm gonna kill it this track is so small I'll just like zoom all around I ran like 218 for 800 meters this was like as my freshman year of high school like it's just indoor track is really hard it is not an easy thing to get accustomed to so when you're facing experienced top like some of the best distance talents in the NCAA and <laughs> And, you know, you're Adrian Wildshoot, who's never raced on an indoor track before, and yet you still come out with a 1339. It's just like that's that's something special. And I think for me that indicates it's like, okay, maybe there's some level of consistency to what he's doing. Maybe there's some level of like, from, you know, whatever that concern of consistency was at Coastal Carolina – Maybe it's been resolved now because he just seems to be putting together. He can he transferred over from Coastal Carolina. All of a sudden, finishes third at the um, at the Florida, Florida State, State Winter Cross yeah Winter Cross Country Classic, and then comes back runs thirteen thirty nine. It's like that. That is that's a lot of change, and yet he seems to be handling it pretty well. 
Yeah, I mean, the first time in the indoor track is a good point. And also, his first time in indoor track is a banked 200-meter track. Like, this isn't a 300-meter oversized track that's just kind of like, okay, this is pretty much the same thing as outdoor, just a little bit shorter, a little bit tight of turns. No, this is like, uh, I mean, it's a completely different animal. Like you mentioned, you're running on bank turns. There's hardly any room to make passes or whatever. And I mean, he almost won. Like, Kemboy, like, pulled uh, like pulled out the win and the last straightaway pretty much um so yeah absolutely a very good race for him um and then a few quick performances before we get out of here um Aaron Bienefeld of Cincinnati ran 715 uh his teammate Sandusky ran 753 some really good times in the 3k and then uh Elliot uh Kipsang of Alabama running 758 in the 3k and uh 356 in the mile um, really strong performances from him. And he seems like he's really coming into his own for the Crimson Tide. Um, I, I think he could be someone to watch over the next year or so as he gets even more comfortable in the NCAA circuit. Um, I, I think he could be one of the big favorites in the mile and the 3K. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he starts off the season running 402 in the mile, yeah. 801 in the 3K. Just solid. It's good marks. Then runs 357 out of nowhere. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How do we really, how do we, how do we kind of evaluate this performance? Comes back the next week, runs 758 3K, wins that heat. Comes back the next day, runs 356. And that consist not only is that consistency great, but that ability to double over a weekend mm-hmm. goes incredibly well for his ability to get through the preliminary rounds at the NCAA championships in the mile, that's huge. So if he's able to continue to just establish fast paces and dictate the paces and, and just kind of click off these times, then I think that that's something that needs to be noted and, and you know kept an eye on because if he's going to be able to do that and dictate how he wants to run and get through the rounds, it's like we have every reason to believe that he'll do well at the national meet. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's getting good experience, obviously, with the amount of times he's raced um, on the indoor circuit already this year, um, which I think, like you mentioned, will prepare him really well for the national meet. Um, But Garrett, before we get out of here, is there is there any other performances that you'd like to quickly highlight? Just so here's the thing in the fall we talked about, we said, is Emmanuel Trebosin the most consistent performer (laughs) for the Arkansas men? Because it was so uh, weird. Yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't all that consistent. And then in the fall, we were like, "Wow!" Yeah. It's like he really turned around. His past two races, eight twenty eight in the three k, and he's run fourteen nineteen in the five k. I, I I wish everyone could see my face. I'm just so confused. I just I I don't know. So I now now I'm just left back at the at the starting point of like, do you ever really know what you're going to get out of him? So, uh, I mean, do you really ever know what like you're going to get out of like the Arkansas men? I mean, it seems like at least three or four of them will step up. But I mean, out of like their six or seven top guys, it seems like I mean, it could be any of them. Like, well, that's true. I mean, Ken Boy is probably the established leader, but like I am out of like uh, Luke Mead, who uh, didn't run in this race, I don't think. But like him, I mean, Jacob McLeod ran really well. Matt Young ran really well. I mean, it's just like. Every week, it seems like there's some new big performer for the Razorbacks. Yeah, that's true. So, like, I can understand maybe, like, someone, like, him not being the top guy. It's just a matter of, like, yeah. wait, then how does 
how does he go from being like all these great cross country performances to now all of a sudden it's like he can't he's like not even in the same race pretty much uh he's like falling off the pack to these guys so yeah it's a little maybe he's coming back from an injury i hope he's okay like i hope he's healthy he's just it's just one of the most perplexing names (laughs) that i just struggle to figure out sometimes um like the guy could be in and out of our cross country rankings you just never know but yeah um, other than that, do you have anyone else? Because I, I mean, that was kind of exhausting. Yeah, that yeah. was an exhausting list to put together and and to talk about. I mean, there were many other mile mile times on the men and women's side that we did not include. Um, make sure if I mean, if you want a more comprehensive list, I would suggest looking at Garrett's uh, first thoughts articles on from the past weekend. I, it highlighted some of the lo- more of those performances. Um, but I mean, I'm out of breath like that, <laughs> those performances, I, I, I'm still struggling to wrap my head around, uh, the three fifties. I, I don't know when that will click and, and Tanner's three thirty four. Um, but all this is to say, I think we're setting up for an incredible indoor nationals, even if not everybody is even going full out for it. I think it's still going to be just a tremendous, tremendous championship. You know that people are running really fast when I begin to dread how much we content we have to yeah. write. Because I, I just like when I saw Tier and Hawker run three fifty, I'm like, this is gonna be one of those weekends where like I'm just gonna be at my laptop the entire yep. weekend. And it just was exactly what happened. But yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. So um I I think we'll hopefully get a little bit of an easy break next weekend. But yeah, it's uh it's it's some pretty crazy stuff, man. This is some fast times, but we're here. We're ready to cover it. We're ready to go. And uh, it's going to be some exciting stuff. Absolutely. Well, um, again, go to the striderport.com um, for any of those articles. Um, we'll be continuing to pump those out. Um, continue to leave us five-star rating reviews on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. But, I mean, until we have another week of action, like Garrett said, maybe it'll be a little bit slower for the first time in like a month um hopefully we'll be we'll be here to recap with you as well but uh until next time garrett i'll talk to you i'll talk to you